If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7. We'll look at that in a few minutes, and then Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4, we'll look at those. This morning, I want to share some thoughts with you that sermon I've just entitled, Returning to God. Returning to God. Normally, I get up real early on Sunday morning. I usually get up about 3 a.m. and pray and study and just go over some things. And This morning, I just uh, wasn't uh, happy with what... Uh, the way that I had studied, and I got up about 1 o'clock this morning, and God just changed my thoughts altogether. And um, as I was praying about what to, to preach, uh, he shared this familiar passage with me, and uh, spoke to me in regards to a title, Returning to God. I'm excited about February the 17th when we come together for our God's pattern for Revival and spiritual awakening when Claude King comes. Uh, Claude King is the prayer chairperson for the Southern Baptist Convention. Fantastic guy, just a humble person. And uh, he's written several books about revival and spiritual awakening. And God has really blessed him and it's given him an opportunity to go everywhere and to teach about the pattern of revival and spiritual awakening that you find in God's Word. and He'll be sharing that with us. Let me encourage you as church to be here on that Wednesday night. Consider it just a one-night revival. I'd like to have everyone here. Our youth to be here. Uh, we'll, have, uh, uh, we'll have our children. Our nursery will be available for our church. And then uh, I believe our uh, kindergarten class will be available. But let me encourage you to be here on February the 17th uh, because God is up to something and I want us to be uh, much part of it and I feel like God's wanting to use us in a mighty way and I hope you'll be praying for the 17th as we come together. Our nation is in a mess and our nation is in a mess according to the Bible because the church is in a mess. Now we can blame the Democrats and we can blame the Republicans. We can blame the Libertarians and we can blame all the Independents. We can blame a do-nothing Congress. But I submit to you this morning until God's people begin to repent and to return to Him, things are not going to get better but things are going to get worse, and there's no one to blame but ourselves. The answer to our moral problems, uh, our economic problems, our spiritual decline, is found in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God's Word simply says, If my people, that's us, as Christians, who are called by my name, Christos, Christians, those that are like Christ. My people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and get on their knees and humble their heart and pray and seek my face and then turn from their wicked way, that's uh, repentance. 
turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now the answer to our national woes, our personal woes, is not a new president per se. But the answer to our national and personal woe is whether or not we as God's people are willing to repent and return to our first love. In Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, the Lamb of God called different churches to repent. The Lamb of God said to Pergam, repent. Said to Sardis, repent. Said to Theratira, to repent. Said to Laodicea, repent. Said to the church at Ephesus, to repent. And he calls the church in America today to repent and turn to him or return to him. Now some may ask me this morning, or you may be thinking, well, Brother Sammy, how have we departed from God? That's not the first time God's people have asked that, according to Malachi. How have we departed from God? Well, I jotted down a couple of ways I feel like that we've departed from God. First of all, we have departed from God from our love for God. We've departed from our love for God. Now, we're told and we're admonished to love the Lord God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. The Lamb of God urged the church, the church at Ephesus to repent because they had left their first love. Now the question is, as a child of God this morning, the question that we all have to address is this. Have I left my first love? You say, well, I don't know if I have or not, Brother Sammy. Well, let me help you with that. If the Lord God is not number one in your life before anything else or before anyone else, you have left your first love. According to Luke chapter 14, verse 26, I believe this will be on the screen. Luke 14, verse 26 and 27. Scripture says, If any man come to me, and hate not his father. A better translation for the word hate is to think less. If any man come to me and think not or think less of his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. If you don't put me first in your life, you cannot be my disciple. If you don't put me above your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and even your own life. He says, you can't be my disciple. And whosoever, verse 27, doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So if God is not first in your life, if you had to struggle about making a decision to be at church this morning, you've left your first love. If it's a struggle for you to be involved in, in Christian activities, you have left your first love. 
If God's not first in your life above everybody else and everything else, you have left your first love. And you need to be saved or you need to repent and return to Him. You say, well, how do we depart from our first love? First of all, God's not number one in my life. Secondly, I jotted down, church is not important anymore. Church is not important anymore. Church is not important to attend. You know, I've noticed a steady decline in church attendance over the past 40 years. I was just looking early this morning. In 2008, we were averaging about 135 and 150 in Bible study. And I've noticed a decline in church attendance in the last 40 years. And there's a reason that Hebrews 10.25 is in the Bible. Look, if you will, at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I believe it will be on your screen. The Bible says, Not forsaking yourselves, or not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But then he says, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, as you see the day of the Lord Jesus approaching. You need to encourage one another to to come together and meet together. Listen, it's very important today that we as Christians come together as a faith family to worship God. It's very important that we come together to study God's Word. It's very important we come together and that we encourage one another in just a daily life affairs. It's very important that we come together and pray for one another. And if you'll notice, the Bible said there in Hebrews, the Bible said that we need to meet the more as we see the day approaching. The approaching day of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, let me tell you something. There's something spiritually wrong in our lives if you don't want to attend church as a Christian. Something seriously wrong. If you have to be, if someone has to plead with you and prod you to come to church as a Christian. The psalmist said in Psalm 122 verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Do you have that gladness now? Do you have that joy in coming to God's house? If you do, hallelujah, praise the Lord. If you don't, you've got something seriously wrong in your spiritual life when you don't want to attend God's house as a Christian. And if you profess to be a Christian, and you, you have no desire to be with God's people, and you have no desire to worship God, and you have no desire whatsoever to study God's Word, and you have no desire whatsoever to use your spiritual gifts in the body of Christ to edify and to build up the body, and it's a chore for you to be here, and you're just here because you're pleasing a spouse, your husband, or your, or your wife, or your parents. Friend, either you need to get saved or you need to repent and return to Jesus Christ. My heart is heavy today when I look around 
in our county, when I look around our state, when I just look around our country, it's very disturbing to me that a number of congregations have decided that we don't need to meet the more as we see the day approaching. We need to meet the less as we see the day approaching. You know, all of us have 24 hours in a day. 168 hours in a week. And two hours on Sunday morning. And an hour and a half on Sunday night. And an hour on Wednesday night. is four and a half hours. And the way I figure it, I can give God four and a half hours if He blesses me with 163 and a half more hours to work, to sleep, to have time with my family, and to enjoy whatever pleasure I want to enjoy. What is four and a half hours? Why is that such a chore for you to come and be a part of God's fellowship, the church, after Christ died on the cross for your sins and forgave you of your sins? And if that's a chore, then you need to get saved or you need to repent and return to Jesus Christ. God forbid, as we look around at the chaos in our world today, and the decline in the morality that we've noticed in the last two, three years, as a pastor, I would think it would not be wise for me to lead this congregation to meet the less and not the more. As we see the day approaching. God, help us to repent for meeting less and not more. How have we departed from the Lord? Well, God's not number one in our lives. Secondly, the church is not important anymore. And third, I'm going to close with this. We refuse to repent of personal sin. Now, Psalm 51, if you'll turn to Psalm 51, I'm going to read that. This is David. You're familiar with David. David had committed a grievous sin in the eyes of God. He'd committed adultery. And this psalm was written after David got right with God. After he had gotten right with God. Psalm 51 verse 1. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to... Unto thy multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. You can sense the brokenness of David as he begins to remember his sin. Verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Now we can look at these first four verses, and we can study David's life prior to repentance, and we can see what sin will do to you. First of all, sin will dirty your soul. You look at verse 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy love and kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Here it comes. Wash me. 
Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. When you fail to repent, sin will dirty your soul. And David pray, oh God, you can hear him. Wash me. Cleanse me. You see, when a child of God sins, you're going to feel dirty. You're not going to be happy. You're going to, you're going to feel dirty. You're going to feel nasty. You're going to feel unclean. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't feel dirty, and if you don't feel unclean when you sin, then you need to get saved. A child of God realizes the dirty, the uncleanness, when they sin. Immediately. Now, a pig can live in a pig pen because that's just a natural environment and he don't want to get out of it. But a child of God's different. Immediately you know you've sinned. And David did. So sin, when you refuse to confess and repent of your sin, sin will dirty your soul. Secondly, sin will dominate your mind. Look at verse 3. Look what's on his mind. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Ever before me. Your sin is always before you. Conscious of your sin. There's a consciousness there of sin and of displeasing God. and An irreverence toward God. Just a transgression against God. You know, you say, well, Brother Sammy, I, you know, at times... I, you know, I have people that ask me, they'll say, Brother Sammy, I, I don't know if I'm saved or lost. Let me give you a good test in regards to your salvation. There's a test that you can give yourself to see if you're saved or you're lost. If you can sin, and you can ignore it, and you can forget it, then you're lost. If you can sin and you ignore it, and you can forget it, then you're lost. Psalm 51, David's sin dominated his mind. That's what happens to me when I sin. It'll show up. It'll show up in your temper. It'll show up in a lack of joy. It'll show up with a lack of sleep. It'll show up. It'll dominate your mind. If you sin and can forget it, you need to ask, have I been saved? You see, our nation is going away from God because the people of God have turned from God and they haven't repented and they haven't returned to Him. Or you'd see a vast difference in our nation because of the number of churches we have and the number of people that attend churches. And our God says to repent, to turn, to return. And so the question boils down to this. Today, are you willing to return to God? Are you willing as a Christian to experience and to pray and cry out to God for personal revival in your own life? I need it in my life. That's why I was up at 1 o'clock. Put God first in your life. Are you willing to put God first in your life? 
Are you willing to love the church and demonstrate that by attendance and, and work, Sunday school and worship and discipleship training and prayer meeting and serving the body of Christ? Are you willing, number three, to repent of unconfessed sin? Today, does sin bother you? Is God first in your life? Do you love the church? Do you demonstrate that? And are you willing to repent of sin? We're in a mess. And sin dirties the soul. Sin dominates the mind. And let me just close with this. Sin disgraces the Lord. Look at verse 4. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Against whom did David sin? Did he sin against his wife? Did he sin against his children? Did he sin against his family? Did he sin against his own body? Did he sin against uh, the nation of Israel? See, none of those are mentioned in that verse. David said, listen, sin against thee, God. Only have I sinned. Sin is an affront to an almighty God. Oh, God, thee only have I sinned. I have sinned, David is saying, against you. And a lost person feels bad about what sin does to him. A lost person feels bad to what sin does to her. But a saved person feels bad in what sin does to God. And David said, against you and you only have I sinned. And there's a difference feeling bad for yourself because of sin and feeling bad because you sinned against God. Here's the point. If our nation is going to change directions, the church in America must change direction, beginning right here. Would you be willing to do that today? You may be here this morning. You'll say, well, I've never trusted Christ. I really haven't. And today, I want something better than what I'm going through. I want to give Jesus my heart. I want to give Him my life. I want to trust Him for my salvation. Would you be willing to come today and be saved? I won't embarrass you. After everyone leaves, we'll just talk for a while, and I'll share with you how you can invite Christ into your life to be your Lord and your Savior. You may be here this morning, and you're kind of backlogged on sin. Your life is miserable. And because of that, those that are around you are being made miserable. You may need to come just in rededication of life, spend some time here at the altar and pray. Would you be willing today to return to God? If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven. And I'll forgive their sin. And then I'll heal their land. We need it bad today. So let me ask you to be serious with the Lord. Any decision you have this morning, let me encourage you to come. I'll be here to pray with you. I'll be here to rejoice with you. But Terry's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. This is God's invitation to return, to come back. If you're not presently attending church somewhere and you'd like to be a member of Mountain View Baptist Church, we'd be delighted to have you a part of our faith family. 
We have a lot to do here, and God's going to use us if we'll just submit ourselves to him and allow him to. But let's stand together as Terry leads us prayerfully, reverently, any decision you have.